Bonanian. Yeah, I started listening to your show like a month ago, and, uh, and I'm just falling in love with it. The Car Doctor. You know the reason kids don't know about carburetors? Because nobody ever sat down and explained it to them without burying them in a book and under all this technical information. you got to make teaching fun, and that's part of what The Car Doctor is all about. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Here's Ronnie. Hey, hello and welcome to Start Your Engines, 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor at your service. More information at cardoctorshow.com, and we're here to help you solve whatever problem you've got with your automobile. That's what this radio show is all about. The phones are backed up, no opening monologue or conversation. We'll do some yellow Post-it notes along the way. That's what I think we're going to call that feature, the yellow Post-it notes of uh, things from the shop during the week. Let's get over and talk to Rodney in Iowa, 99 Ranger, and a blower motor that doesn't work all the time. Rodney, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir. How can I help? Yes, uh, 99 Ranger, AC and heating issues. Okay. It barely comes out on low and medium, but works on high, you know, really good. Okay. When when you say barely, is the blower motor running at all, or is it that you're just getting the flow through ventilation as you're driving? Uh, just barely comes out, you know, because I could drive down the road and and I have it on, um, I have it on high, then it works good, and I turn it back to low and medium, then it's it's a dramatic drop. Right. Okay. And if you're if let me let me ask the question like this: if if you're sitting okay. still at a traffic light. And yep. you, you put the blower on medium, middle speed. There's a four-speed blower, or it should be, right? If you put it on the middle speed. Uh, low, medium, and high. Right. Low, med- Is there a low, medium, low, medium, high, and a, and a high? Four, yeah. Four yep. positions. Okay. So if you put it yep. on one of the mediums, medium, low, medium, high, and you're sitting at a traffic light, do you feel any air out of the vents at all? Barely. Okay. So it sounds like what you're describing is the blower motor is only working in high speed. Correct. Okay. Correct. Barely comes out on low and medium. Right. I mean, that's on all the settings, you know, uh, down on the floor, right. dash, there's no, whatever. There's no change. It's you, you move it from low to medium correct. high, and it's until you get high, that's when you actually get air. Yeah, correct. Right. It, and uh, I did the... Go ahead. I did the... Speed resistor, right? Or control. I replaced the pigtail, and I did the resistor, and no change. Okay. Well, then the only other possibility is we know it's not the ground because ground 103 on the left fender, which is what that is, is controlled through the switch. That that switch is actually controlling ground feed, okay, across the board. Now, if you put a blower resistor in and the blower motor still is not running, when you put the blower on medium, if you go to the blower motor, what do you read across the motor? Do you see power and ground? Is the motor being engaged? No. Okay. So now we've got a, you've got access to a wiring diagram, Rodney? No, I don't. I've got to get one. All right, because you're going to see that. All right, you're going to see that when you look at a wiring diagram for this, high-speed circuit on this bypasses the blower resistor. That's the orange-black wire, and it goes right to the blower, all right, which is ground. Mm-hmm. That's, that's supplying ground. The blower is fed hot 
through the relay box. There's a, there's a blower motor relay over in the relay box under the hood in the engine compartment. So all that switch is doing is providing ground. All right? So unless you've got a break between splice 114 and the connector that comes up to the blower resistor, all right, which is the only other possibility, the only other thing I could think of at the top of my head is that the this, this switch itself has a problem. But for the switch to have a problem on, on three of the four pins only, you're, you're reaching. You know, it's, it's a reach. Unless you happen to be the lucky enough guy that got you got that one bad new part that never, ever worked. That um, beep control. Yeah, the uh, blower resistor itself. But you know, listen, it's a fairly simple circuit. It really is. If memory mm -hmm. serves me right, um, you know, it's a very simple circuit. I mean, I'm I'm talking to you off the top of my head, and I can tell you the way it was because I've done so many of them. Um, the fact that you have high speed tells me the ground is good. The fact that it works on high tells me the blower is good. So you're somewhere okay. between the splice that where the blower high speed comes in and the resistor and the switch itself. So you better get a wiring diagram out and start cracking the books and, and, and find out where in between you're missing. But um, I've got a feeling either we're missing something really obvious or there's a miscommunication here that I don't understand. And by the same token, you know, put it on medium, feel the blower. Is the blower turning? Um, is, it, is it something in the wheel itself? Is there a defect in the blower motor that only allows it to push air out at high speed? So, um, time to get a wiring diagram mm. instead of uh, just throwing parts at it. If you need a wiring diagram, Rodney, let me help you out. If you need a wiring diagram and you can't get your hands on one, shoot me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I'll, I'll, I'll look one up and uh, uh, send it over to you by early next week. Is there, All right. I got a question. Is there yeah. a cabinet filter on a 99 Ranger? I don't think so. No, I don't okay. believe so. Okay. Um, uh, I don't they, think that, I don't think, I don't know if, that out and, well, and, and that's possible, but then somebody explained to me then why, if it's got good airflow, if it's got good airflow and high speed, you know, what is it, bypassing the cabin yeah, filter? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've always got to be logical, all right? And the yeah. only way I know to do that is to verify the condition. And at this point, what you've got to do is you've got to be able to see, you know, that blower motor being activated and, you know, where and why not and what's going on. You'll figure it out from a wiring diagram. Awesome. All right, kiddo. So, like I said, send me, if you can't find one, Ron at cardoctorshow.com, and I'll be glad to send one along. All right, you take good care. Let's get over and talk to, we got time, let's get started. Let's go over and talk to Tom in Monroe Township, New Jersey. New Jersey, 2016 Dodge Charger. Tom, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Hey, Ron, long-time listener since 2009. Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, based on your guidance, uh, I have a trusted local mechanic who's probably just saved me $5,000. It's a, uh, like I said, it's a charger, and I had no, uh, no indication, but he told me that there was a leak coming from the rear engine oil seal um, when I took it in for my normal maintenance. Car only has 30000 6000 left on the warranty. Uh, took it to the dealer, and, and lo and behold, it's the actual uh, front uh, transmission pump uh, is a leak. So they ended up replacing the entire transmission uh, under warranty. Thank goodness. Kind of um, makes a case for doing maintenance on a regular basis, right, Tom? Precisely, exactly. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, they they were they're big fans of the ten thousand uh, mile oil change, and obviously that would have cost me big bucks at this point if I had to uh, if I would have waited. Yeah. But my my main question here is: uh, Is there anything that you're aware of on this? Uh, it's an eight speed automatic on, on the SRT. 
Uh, is there any things that you've heard about this, and should I have requested a longer warranty? I've heard they have. I, I have heard they've had some front pump problems, and mm. you know what, you, what you're describing to me is is getting to be a common occurrence. I don't think you're going to be able to get a longer warranty from them, but I would clearly you're take. Right. I, I think I would clearly keep an eye on it and keep doing your due diligence. Uh, you know, it's uh, this is one of the reasons I'm not a fan of longer maintenance intervals because you miss things like this. It's also one of the reasons why, and I'm not picking on them. I think quick lube places have their place. I just don't think they can substitute for a real mechanic. That can you imagine if this car was only quick lube oil changed? And, well, that's, I mean, the whole thing is, Ron, is that there was no indication. There was right. nothing on the garage floor. Right, you'll never um, see it. Must have been atomizing. Right, you'll that's you'll. What I'm thinking. Well, and you know, Tom, you'll see it. You'll see it when it stops. You know, one of the things I always say to people is engine oil leak, but it's not on the ground. You can keep an eye on the level through the dipstick. Transmission oil leak on a car with a dipstick, and, you know, different story today in a lot of newer cars. On a transmission with a dipstick, you can keep an eye on it if it's leaking and you don't want to fix it, depending upon how big the leak is. You get into a leak on a drivetrain component, like a rear axle or a transfer case, if you've got a leak in one of those and you're not fixing it, then you might as well go to Vegas and, and, and play twenty one. See if you can win blackjack because you're just you're just rolling the dice, baby, to you know, try and catch it before it fails and I don't know how you do that. So you're 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 yeah. you're, you're you're absolutely right. You you are absolutely right, sir, in the sense that uh you know, it's it's thank God you had a good mechanic. So you know. Exactly. I mean, yep. it's a great mechanic right here in Monmouth Township. Can I say the name of sure, the shop? Sure, go ahead. Now? Absolutely. It's, it's Jerry Noonan's. It's right, it's right in Applegarth Road in Monroe Township, New Jersey, and uh, uh, he saved me big bucks on this one, and it's much appreciated. Shout so out I want to Jerry. know that the due diligence is important. Yep, I appreciate it, Tom. As always, yeah. sir, thank, okay, you, thanks, thank you for the support, and I appreciate you being there, and you have a good rest of the weekend. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back. Don't go away. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Let's do a real quick yellow post-it note tale. So we had a 2013 Kia Soul come into the shop this week at Ari Automotive, and I thought it was interesting. The battery light was on, and that was it. Just the battery light was on. The car drove normal, steered normal, and it had no other indications of problems. And drove the car around the block, brought it back in, brought it in the shop, lifted the hood. And the belt was off. And the belt was off because the alternator had been replaced. And they had used a cheaper aftermarket alternator that just didn't hold up. And it had failed in a very short period of time. It's a commercial use vehicle. It had very high mileage on it. And, you know, fortunately, I was able to find a good quality. Actually, I put a Bosch alternator on it. And, uh, um, you know, that way, because I, I kind of like to do things once. And... I thought about it said, gee, how could the steering be normal? You know, as silly as this sounds, I never really gave it much thought before, but the fact is the car had electric power steering. So I guess it sort of changes the way we look at it, right? Because the conversation for diagnosis used to be, well, the steering got stiff and the battery light came on and then the car overheated. This car didn't overheat because it wasn't driven far enough. The concern for overheat wasn't there because the steering felt normal because it has electric power steering. So I guess we've got to change the way we think now. With electric power steering in cars, um, you've, got to, uh, you've got to be aware that, you know, 
<laughs> it's not just going to be the the only indicator of the belt falling off. So uh, just be mindful of that. And uh, by the way, BoschAutoParts.com if you want more information about Bosch. Uh, Bosch Parts want to get a Bosch alternator. Let's get over and talk to Frank in Mountainside, New Jersey, uh, 13 Expedition. Yes, Frank, welcome to the car doctor, sir. What's going on? Hey, Dr. Ron, it's yes, great to be able to talk to you today. Thank you. What's cooking? I'm hoping I can take advantage of the Saturday two questions for a dime yep. uh, special. Yeah, two, 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 well, it's actually two for a nickel. Oh, so wow. It's, it's, two for, even, it's two for a dime on holidays. That's the even, holiday rate. Even better. Yeah. Okay. So, well, my, my, my first question is I, I maybe real simplistic. Um, you know, for about 50 years, I've always washed all my cars myself, buckets of water, towels, chamois, wheel brush, tire dressing. Now I'm considering occasionally taking it to a commercial car wash. Do, do you but, like washing your car? cars, Frank? What? Do you like washing your cars? Well, it's getting to be a bit much with the 2013 Expedition. You know, it's a big vehicle, and yeah. I wax them a couple of times before the winter sets in. My, my concern is, and maybe I'm overthinking the issue, I take it there, I, I drive it six miles down, I'm sure you're familiar with Route 22 here in Union County, sure. yep. and um, I get to the car wash, and one of the things they do is spray those wheels, those big rotors and calipers, uh, through a five-spoke wheel with water. Uh, is, is that doing? Is the is the is the rotor too hot to be sprayed at that point? Am I am I overthinking the situation? I think so, and and, yeah. I'll, and I'll and I'll give you the example why. Have you ever been traveling home from somewhere and you get caught in a flash rainstorm? Sure. And you know how's that water hitting those rotors? Well, my my concern was that. When you take it through a car wash, they actually spray it at it, you know, directly into it. When you're when you're driving down the down the road, yeah, you're splashing water, yes. But I thought maybe it was hitting it less directly than when they when they hit it with that spray. No, I, I think we're splitting hairs. Okay, um, all right. But, but I will tell you this: I will tell you what I do worry about at car washes mm -hmm. in, in sort of the same area. Um, where I have seen problems occur is when the kid sprays on the tire shine. Yeah. If he's if he's a little overzealous, and he doesn't exactly get it just on the tire, but he actually hits the rotor, mm, yeah. that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, and right. I, and okay. I always watch for that. And I have I have had a few issues, uh, rotor issues on customers' vehicles with you know uh, there's something and it gets in there and it now the chemical starts to affect the pads. The pads make noise. There's right. a streaking. There's a scoring. That becomes an issue. So you know um, you know. Just not anybody can work at a car wash anymore, that, for lack of a better that, way to say that's it. A good, that's a good point. Thanks All for right. bringing it up. So yeah. sec second question. Second question. Um, to me, I, I see the, the, the newest mania in the auto industry right behind uh, auto, um, autonomous cars and EVs is the push-button start. And I'm, I'm thinking of a 2018 Expedition, uh, which has standard push-button start, and I'm wondering... What's your take? What's your experience so far with push-button start? Is it is it any big deal compared to current ignition switches, or you know, is it really not not that much difference? There's so much going on with a push-button start vehicle. It's it's exciting and scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. There's there's no less than three to five different modules that that. Are engaged in the, in the startup procedure wow. of a push button vehicle. Well, think about it. You walk up to the car. You you know it's a smart fob, right? You've got that keyless sure. fob in your pocket, right? Did you ever wonder how does the vehicle know to open the door? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> that's because the, the fob is transmitting. It's sending it to a radio antenna somewhere in the vehicle. It's picking up that signal. It's it's being sent to a module that's deciding 
hey, is this Frank or is this Bill, the guy who also bought a 2018 Expedition, and his mm-hmm. key code is one off? No, it's, it's, it's Bill. Don't open the door. Yeah, it's Frank. Open the door. Now it opens the door. As you get closer, that module starts to wake up other components and says, hey, this is really Frank. I think Frank's going to start the car. Get ready. And then when your finger touches the button, it has to be between that, right? Mm. It's just So there's a lot going on. Right. Here's the good news. They generally don't break. We've seen a very good success rate with them. And if they do break, it's actually a little bit easier to diagnose if you've got something between your ears and a good scan tool in your hand. All right, because you can look at and see the response of, you know, I pushed the button. Did it see the button? Did it wake up this module? Can I talk? To, is this module on the bus? Is is this module talking on the network? Is you know? So the problem becomes, Frank, to try and not to try and find a vehicle without technology. You know what? That's, imp- that's impossible. It's like trying to find an honest politician today. It's, it's getting harder and harder each and every day. I, I assume that, like the ignition switch, if if you're stuck there with a, you're pushing the button and nothing happens, you're, you're stuck. I mean, there's you've got no override. You've right. got no way to to get past that. Some you, cars will have it. There are some cars. I worked on a 2011 Mazda this week with a push button start problem, which I was not able to duplicate because it was intermittent, and I believe what happened was the customer changed the key fob battery. That mm-hmm. is something I should mention. On the, on the remote key fobs, if you've got push-button start, when you start to get that warning error message of a low battery, it's time to put it, get a battery. Yeah, put, do put it. Don't screw around. Don't, don't, okay. don't screw around and wait for it. But in the case of this Mazda, it had a manual override key that you put a key in a traditional key location, and then the push button would work without the signal from the remote. Once she she seems to have solved her problem, my point is there might be a little bit more maintenance, but like I said, I don't think you're going to get away from it. Um, I think it's just part of the technology march forward as we uh, continue to evolve. Frank, I appreciate the conversation. Had a great time. You call back again anytime, sir, and enjoy the rest of the weekend. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. We're back right after this. The car doctor here. Let's do another yellow post-it note. So I had a phone call this week, and real phone call. And I just I've got a point to make here. Can you give me a price quote on brakes? Well, it's kind of tough. I you know I generally I can't be exact. I, I generally don't do it. I can give you an approximation. Okay, an approximation is good. All right. Well, I've got a 2006 Honda, and I need a price on front brakes. Okay, it's going to be this much money. Right, but I don't need. I only need one rotor on the left side and one caliper on the right side if it needs calipers because I changed all those parts three, four months ago, and they're okay. Well, chances are I'm not going to do it that way. Well, why not? Well, because, you know, and right away we're into this conversation of let me tell you how to fix cars, all right? There's a lot of things wrong with looking for brake quotes over the phone, folks. I get it. You know, an approximation, it's going to be $400 to do this and $700 to do that. But when you call a repair shop, all right, and I got to tell you, if you call a repair shop and they let you dictate the repair, I'd be afraid, all right? I'd be wondering what their skill set and confidence level is like, all right? Let me call a doctor. Doc, my leg hurts. I strain my right front quad, all right? 
do you think you could do this? Do you think you could do that? If you notice, a true professional always takes command of the situation, runs their tests, and then does their repairs, both being a doctor and a mechanic. You can't call up for price quotes and then start to dictate how that repair should go because you're just you're, you're headed for a problem. You know, you've got to have some consideration of quality. You've got to have some consideration of, of procedure, all right? You can't buy auto repair strictly on price. You've, you're entitled to know what it could be, but you've got to let them look at the car, and you've got to understand they're calling the shots, not you. They're supposed to be the professional. Let me put one rotor on one side and one caliper on the other. So if you see a 2006 Honda Pilot coming near you in the next couple of weeks, Hope the brakes don't pull when the guy steps on it. So let's get over to the phones. I'm going to talk to Matthew in Maine, 17 Mitsubishi, and uh, thinking about buying a, thinking about buying one. Matthew, welcome to the car doctor, sir. I'm just rambling. What's going on? Yeah, how are we doing today, mister? Good, man. What's cooking? So I've been a, I've been a pretty much a diehard Ford guy my whole life, and uh, they pretty much don't do anything for me anymore. In my 2001, one ton with a diesel in it, it's uh, kind of on its last leg. Uh, I spent a bunch of my life over in the third world country, and they had a lot of these Mitsubishis and Mercedes trucks running around everywhere, and right. I kind of liked them, so I started looking into it, and I found this Mitsubishi four-wheel drive. It's an FG series, um, and I didn't know if you had any experience with them, knew anything about them, running, uh, you know, a lot as a daily driver, but I, I do also use my truck for work this is um, this is like that cab over uh you're talking about like one of the cab over fuso four by fours exactly right um well let me ask you this question who's going to work on it me okay where are you going to get parts from <laughs> um yeah i don't know right you got a scan tool that'll talk to it nope um are you a mechanic by there trade or are you an over the road are you a mechanic by a trade or you an over the road trucker Huh? There's a Mitsubishi dealer in Bangor. Okay. Are you an over-the-road trucker or are you a mechanic by trade? Oh, I'm a I'm a marine engineer mechanic, basically by okay. trade. All right. So I know my way around just about anything. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a an auto mechanic. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. That's okay. Um, you know, the issue is still going to come back to. So, you know, tell me some of the things you've worked on in the marine world. Name it. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I mean, we do everything. You know, reverse gears, anything to do with any engine. You know, mainly everything in the marine world is engine-wise is a lot bigger. You know, like working on sixteen seventy-one Detroits. You don't find those in trucks too often. Right. Right. Um, so, so you're used to doing like when you say marine, you mean like um, pleasure craft and, and. I worked on like I worked on hundred, hundred and fifty foot yachts my whole life. Okay. So you're basically going from working As on a the engineer. You're going from working on a 150 foot yacht to the Enterprise, yeah. to an aircraft carrier. All right, it's <laughs> it's 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 more complex. I and understand it, that. And it's not that it's so much more complex, but now you've got all this much more information to deal with, and you've got to deal with parts. You've got to deal with a different scan tool. You've got to, because first of all, this is a real truck. This isn't like right. an F three fifty with a with a with a diesel in it. This is a real truck. This is a different class of scan tool. This is different cost factors over the road in terms of, you know, depending upon you know how Maine taxes their classification of you know, G V W classification of commercial vehicle. 
14,000 GVW. Okay. So, you know, you've got to look at that. You've also got to stop and consider, and I, I thought about this when he announced it. You know, when, when the president, I'm not saying it's a good or a bad thing, but when the president announced tariffs on, you know, imports from other countries, I started thinking to myself, I wonder when that affects the cost of parts. If it ever gets down to where if a part is made overseas and brought here, will, will they pay a higher tariff on those replacement parts? And does that affect this Mitsubishi? Does that affect the Toyotas, the Honda? You know, you start to wonder, where does it, you got, and I don't want to get it political, but I'm just saying, you start to think about the bigger picture. And, you know, listen, they're good vehicles. I see them all over the place. Every once in a while I get a landscaper stopping in. They want me to look at this, look at that. There's some little things I can do. But I'm running into these same problems that I'm describing to you because as a general repair shop that deals with, you know, F-350s are about as high as I want to go just because of physical size of the building. I can't put anything bigger in it. So I'm not going to buy a scan tool to work on a 14,000 GVW vehicle if I can't fit it inside the shop. You know, and, and that's going to be your problem. So if the Mitsubishi dealer in Bangor is a good dealer, hey, this is a great deal if this is what you want. If if the Mitsubishi dealer in Bangor is is, is terrible, then you, you've just bought, no pun intended, a boat anchor. Yeah. Right? So, you know, you've got to stop and think about it from that perspective. Um, you know, listen, I never tell anybody not to buy a vehicle. I'll, I'll tell you what I think the pros and cons are, and I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a Ford, a Chevy, a Ferrari, a Fuso, a, an Isuzu. My God, there's still people buying Suzukis, for crying out loud, in this country. All right? All good stuff. Tell me where we're getting parts. Tell me how we're getting service information, and tell me where we're getting tools from on a regular, consistent, economical basis. And that's the problem. Yeah. All right? So, so stick with a Ford is what you're telling me. Well, no. I'm telling you to be happy because <laughs> life's too short. Listen, I'll give you a real-world story. A guy called me two months ago. He's got an Isuzu. I forget the model, but it hasn't been made in 15 years. Can I work on his Isuzu something or other that stalls at traffic lights every once in a while? And I said, yeah, up until the point where I tell you I need a part. And he says, then what happens? I said, well, then I park the car on the side, and we wait four months for the part to show up. And I said, you get to drive down to Central Jersey to the last known Isuzu dealer there is. You get to pay them for the part. And then we wait another four months for the part to show up because the way it works to get Isuzu parts in the country, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, please. I'm not trying to be a, a smart guy, but it's I've been told by this dealership that you, you order the part, you pay for it ahead of time. When the part shows up, that's when you get it. If the part shows up and it's wrong, it's still your part. There's no returns. There's no warranty. It's very difficult to work with. I'm not saying Mitsubishi is like that. But, you know, uh, why would you want to buy something that's more difficult to work on because vehicles today are hard enough to deal with as a rule? Unless that well, I kind of thought it was more, I thought it was uh, easier to work on. You know, the cab over, that whole cab flips right forward. You can get right to the engine. Sure. Um, Did you ever think they had to make it that way because you're going to be working on the engine more? Well, no. I mean, that's the, the beauty of a cab over. Sure. <laughs> I, but but I'm just saying, you may need that cab over design, is my point. You know, it may yeah. it may need to be like that. Listen, it's like I said, it's it's they're good vehicles. I see them running around all over the place. Somebody's got parts. Somebody's got a source for it. All right? You just got to decide, is that really what you want to do? And are you going to be happy with that source? So, you know, it's it's not a matter of, is it a good vehicle? 
if 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 driving it fits what you're going to do with it, then yes, it's a great vehicle, provided you're willing to work with whatever parts distribution, scan tool technology, and reference material you need to go through in order to service it properly. Because that's not something you're going to lift the cab over and just start poking around. It doesn't work like right. that. All right. Yeah. Very, very, very different kind of vehicle. I need to go talk to people who can actually work on these. Right. Things. That's right. And, and you know, and see how I see how I feel about them. Right. Bring them. Bring it. Bring. Stop at Dunkin' Donuts. Get a get a box of Joe and a uh, fifty Munchkins, and uh, just sit there and talk to them at coffee break. Hey. Now, granted, they're going to tell you how wonderful they are. Maybe, maybe the guys to talk to aren't the ones that are servicing them, but the people that you see driving them. Hey, where do you get this fixed? Are you happy with them? All right? And if everybody says, hey, I go to Joe Smith up the street and they're great, you know what? That's a great vehicle. If it's, I go to Joe Smith, the guy couldn't diagnose his way out of a one-door closet with two Boy Scouts and a compass, that's not a great vehicle. Yeah. All right? So Makes sense. Go, go do some research, my friend, and uh, you give me a call back. You let me know what you did, all right, Matthew? All right, I will. Thanks. Right. I appreciate your time. You're very welcome, sir. You take good care. Have a care. great day. You too. Bye-bye. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming right back. Don't go away. on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right 855-560-9900 now back to ron hey welcome back let's uh let's get over and talk to tom rockland county real quick 11 chevy express tom what do you got hi ron uh, i think i got a good one um about a month ago the truck through a po171 and 74 okay at the same time right um Fuel trim was around 15, both sides short-term, around 24 long-term. Long Cruising down the road or at idle? Uh, just at idle. Just at idle. When you came off idle, it went away? Um, I didn't. Well, when I accelerated, the trims did go down. I didn't I didn't drive it with the, um, the scan tool on it. I just, that, that was just in park. Okay. So, um, so so here's I, the here's the catch, all right? Um you know when, when we see a f uh, lean fuel trim 171 174 or any fault code, we always want to know when does it occur. In, in the case of a lean fuel condition or, or a rich a fueling condition, we want to know is it at idle? Is it off idle because it's going to change the diagnosis uh, immensely. If I tell you you've got a lean lean fuel condition idle only versus a lean fuel condition at 25 miles an hour, what do you think is different about that that's going to make you look for it differently? Um, which, I'm not sure, to be honest. Which, which, one's, which one is more likely to be a vacuum leak? The, probably, under, probably under acceleration? At idle. Oh, really? Under excel Well, think of it like this, right? Um, under acceleration, the computer can compensate. All right? It's, it's got more controls and more parameters, but at idle... It's it's got less, and a vacuum leak is going to show up on a, on a larger scale, so it's going to become more of an issue. Do you still have the problem now? Well, according to the um, my scan tool, it did trip the light at 500 RPM, so it must have been at idle when it tripped. Right. Well, what happened since was um, I googled it, looked up the possibilities, what would do both sides at the same time. I changed the mass airflow sensor. It was. Cheap and easy, 50 bucks for a brand-new Delphi on Amazon. I put it in, didn't make any changes. 
drove it a little bit longer. One morning, the light went out by itself. Okay. You may okay. have so, you, you may have leaky intake manifold gaskets at idle, especially during warm-up. You, I would look around under the hood. I know it's a van. I know it's tough to get to, but you're looking for a vacuum leak of a very small amount, something that's going to be common to both sides. If I'm not mistaken, um, there's, like I said, issues with intake gaskets on that particular model. Also take a hard look at the intake duct leading up to the uh, engine after the mass airflow just to make sure there's no failures there. All right, but I would be looking for a vacuum leak at idle. I'd be monitoring fuel trim even now when the light's out. Just because the light's out doesn't mean the problem's fixed. It just means that it's not enough to trip the code. All right, sir? So let's do that. i got to go. I'm up against the clock. Tom, you call me back next week if you need more information. 855-560-9900. Jerry in Watertown, New York. I'm coming to you next. Ron and the car doctor, we're back. Let's get over to Jerry in Watertown real quick. Jerry, you're there, sir. Uh, yes, I am. Tell me your tale, 30 seconds or less. What do you got? Okay, working on an 08 Mercury Grand Marquis 4.6 with an intermittent uh, engine shutoff, sometimes uh, difficulty uh, restarting, uh, code 191 fuel rail sensor. Right. Sure, I replaced the sensor. The fuel pump's been replaced. We still have a persistent problem. We get a uh, code 1633, keep alive memory. memory. Yeah. And uh, it appears to be related to the weight of the driver. The more weight that's inside the passenger compartment, the more this problem persists. Okay, so 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 the problem. Okay, but the sixteen thirty three is a keep alive memory issue. Yes. Right. We're in agreement there. And yes, sir. Okay, yes, sixteen thirty three is keep alive memory in the PCM. Have you tried diagnosing that? Well, I did replace one fuse, but I'm not sure exactly. It's supposed to be uh, 122 with pin 55, and I have it. The vehicle was on the highway. We were in actually the state of uh, Tennessee, and this thing had made its made its way back to New York with a lady driver and no luggage. Uh, it did shut off along the way when my son was in the vehicle, and he's a big, big guy. Right. And when he's not writing in it, it'll it'll perform almost flawlessly. Okay, so so let me ask you this: If you clear the, don't worry about the one ninety one for right now. If you clear the sixteen thirty three, how fast before it comes back? I don't know. I'm sorry, I can't answer that question. I do have a scanner. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I can't verify. But I'll I'll do my best. Do some homework. All right, do some homework. Let me know if you clear the sixteenth. If you clear all the codes, what comes back first, and how soon? Because I'm thinking the sixteen thirty three is what you need to diagnose first, because that could lead to a possible bad PCM. I'm not saying change it. We need to diagnose it. So let's look at that first, and then call me back. I'm Ron Anini, the car doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. 